This is Ian Hartley. And I'm Warren Kay. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see Him more clearly, love Him more dearly, and follow Him more nearly. Hello, Warren. Hi, Ian. Um, Today we're talking about Romans chapter 5. Yes. What do you know about Romans chapter 5? It's an amazing chapter that Paul writes and repeats himself over and again, many times. Good. Um, so, um, you know, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talks about this mystery. And uh, I wonder if you've ever puzzled about what the mystery is. I have. Yeah. Um, you know that in Paul's day, there were lots of mysteries around. They had these shrines where you could go and hear mysteries spoken Hmm. and sometimes explained. And of course, they had the mystery of alchemy where you could change, you could make gold like out of a cheap metal and so on. So there was a lot of mystery around at that time, lots of fable. So when he said mystery, people would, prick up their ears. Mm -hmm. It's like you and I do, even after all these years. So Ephesians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 3, and uh, let's alternate reading. Sure. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. So it's interesting that it wasn't revealed to previous generations. It was just at the right time. For some reason, God revealed it to Paul. So, you know, when your children were growing up, there's some things you never revealed to them until they got older. True. So... um, because I have some training in mathematics, you know, when you're teaching arithmetic or math or whatever it is, and some kid in grade school says to you, can you subtract eight from five? You say no. <laughs> okay, and then a bit later you say yes. A few years later you say, and the answer is minus three. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get to the end of high school, you're talking about square roots, and you say, what is the square root of minus four? Mm -hmm. And you say, uh, oh, well, it's 2i. And they say, what's 2i? And you say, 
You'll find out next year when you take calculus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all knowledge seems to be like that. It's you know? progressive. It's progressive. So sometimes you're just not ready to understand something. I think I could do well in high school now if I did it, took it now. You know? <laughs> but when I was there, I was hopeless at language. Mm. I used to uh, get one of the pretty girls in the class who I later married to do my grammatical analysis for me. I really could not figure that out. I could do math, but I couldn't do languages. I just had a block, I guess. And, and Jesus himself made the statement to the disciples, there are things I would love to be able to tell you, Very but good. now is not the time. Yes. Why not? Because you're too busy arguing about who will be prime minister in my kingdom. <laughs> yeah. you, you're just not interested not in what there. I have to tell you. But he said, I'll send the Spirit, and the Spirit will teach you. Yeah. So to find this uh, mystery, um, I eventually decided the best place to, to understand the mystery is in Romans chapter 5. Mm. Um, so read verse 1 for us. You're reading the New Living Translation. Yes. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Okay, so we have been made right in God's sight. Now, older translations use the word justified. So what has been made right in God's sight sort of conjure up for you? Well, to me, it's the idea that whatever it involves in God's sight, I'm okay. God's okay with you. Yeah. 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 It, it might not mean that I'm perfect, but God's okay with me as, as I am. Yeah. You know, that Latin word, justified, uh, actually means innocence. Mm. And what you mean when you say, I'm right in God's mm. sight, you mean, I have that innocence. Mm. I have a, a neighbor that's less than one year old. She came to visit me yesterday. Okay, so she's just learning to get along with me, mm -hmm. take some courage. You know? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I look at this little kid, and uh, she is really something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is very moody. If she's happy, she's happy. If she's not happy, she's not happy. And... Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't hold that against her, you know. She's just, she's less than one year old. Yes. She's just starting to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has that innocence in my mind. If she's still behaving like that when she's 16, there's going to be a problem. Right. Um, I have friends, and they fostered two boys. I've mentioned this before. They have muscular dystrophy and fetal alcohol syndrome. And they're in wheelchairs. They can't walk alone anymore and don't do very well at school. But I know they never chose it. Yeah. And so I have no judgment for them, no condemnation. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to go and visit them and um, pull their legs and mm -hmm. enjoy life with them. You know, it's... Uh, I don't have any beef with them. I know they didn't choose it. Yeah. 
And so that's how I understand that um, I'm right in God's sight. He sees me because I didn't choose to be born on this planet. Right. As innocent. Mm -hmm. Doesn't hold it against me. Mm -hmm. And so because I know that, I have peace with God. And I have this peace with God because Jesus came and shared this good news with me that in God's sight, I'm innocent. Yeah, beautiful. And so this, this being right in God's sight is much more than pardon or mercy or forgiveness or salvation. Mm -hmm. It means that our relationship is good. Yeah. Mm. So you want to read verse 2? Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to the sharing God's glory. So I used to think of God's glory as... Uh, did you ever hear of Gary Glitter? No. No, Gary Glitter was a pianist, and he used to wear these amazing outfits. Oh. You know, diamonds and rubies and, I mean... Gary Glitter glittered. Okay. That's why it was called Gary Glitter. Yeah. I sort of imagined God's glory like that, you know. Mm. If you saw if you saw God, it would be like a fireworks display or like uh, Uber Gary Glitter. Right. Um, but then one day I realized that in Exodus 33, when Moses says to God, show me your glory. Right. I really think Moses was expecting an Uber Pharaoh, mm. you know, You've seen these pictures of Pharaoh, you know, mm -hmm. pointed beard and all this gold glittering around him. Right. But what happens? God speaks his name in his presence and mm -hmm. he says, I am merciful and compassionate. That that's his glory. That's his glory. Wow. That's the thing that God is most proud of yeah. in himself. Mm -hmm. His be mercy and his compassion. And he can be merciful and compassionate toward us because he knows we didn't choose this role. It gets better. In Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, it talks about how that we are God's children mm -hmm. and that we are heirs together with Christ. Heirs together with Christ. Right. Which means all that Jesus inherits, we inherit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you say, wow. I say, far out, man. Yeah, really. Yeah. Jesus is, is, the, um, is, is the third party of the Godhead. King and, of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah. And we are co-heirs with him. So it gets more definitive in Revelation 3, verse 21. It says, to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Mm. Now, overcome what? Your fear and your inability to comprehend the glory that God has in mind for you. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see, we take, uh, often take a low road on this overcome, and we say, oh, well, that means you, you have to overcome sin. You have to live perfectly. Uh, overcome yeah, your yeah. disobedience. And mm -hmm. it's not what it's talking about. The problem that sin brought to us was it destroyed our self-image. Mm -hmm. 
And Adam and Eve, that's so beautifully portrayed in the story, they felt naked. Mm -hmm. They no longer had that uh, confidence, that Mm self-assurance you have when you have a nice suit of clothes on. So that's the glory that God has in mind for us, that we will be merciful and compassionate like him and reign with him on his throne uh, in mercy and compassion. Mm -hmm. We're on verse 3, and you're reading it. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Four. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So what Paul is arguing is, listen, when you suffer, don't despise it. Don't feel self-pity for yourself. Embrace it because it's going to confirm your salvation. Why? Because Jesus suffered Mm. and he triumphed. Mm -hmm. So if you, his brother, you're going to suffer and you're going to triumph too. Mm. Mm. It's that progression that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to read the next verse, please? And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Yeah. So um, this is a supernatural work that God is doing in our hearts. Uh, They're being filled by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit with love. You know, when you become a Christian and you realize more and more how wonderful God is, uh, the natural reaction is that you feel worse and worse about yourself. I don't know if you know this. You know, if you, if you learn to play the piano and then you think you're doing quite well and then you hear a concert pianist playing, how do you feel about your own playing? Yeah, you, you just don't want to play. You don't want to play, no. So it's like that in your relationship with Christ also. Mm-hmm. You just, <laughs> when you start to realize how wonderfully merciful and compassionate it is, you get embarrassed about yourself. Yeah. Uh, and that's what this is talking about. The Holy Spirit uh, gives us this love in our hearts. It's supernatural there. And it includes love for yourself because you are God's child. Right. And gives you that confidence. What more could we ever ask for um, than to wake up in the morning and say, wow, Holy Spirit is going to fill my heart with love today for the people I meet. Mm -hmm. We're on verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Utterly helpless. You look like a fairly confident person. Thank you. Yeah. I've driven with you. You drive with confidence. I've heard you speak. You speak with confidence. So what's this thing utterly helpless? So we, we, you know, we have no solution in ourselves. Let's just take it physically. Warren, within 50 years, you'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> you can well, maybe eat. 55, Ian. 55. All right. 
I'll make it 56. <laughs> I want to be right. You can eat all the spinach and the kale you yeah. want to. You know, you can drink all, you can drink 68 glasses of water a day <laughs> and walk 10 miles. You're going to die. Yeah. When it comes to living, you are utterly helpless. Yeah. And it's in every other aspect of our being. It's true for us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So if you live long enough, you want to die. Yeah. You know that. Mm -hmm. You meet people there, mm -hmm. late 70s, 80s, 90s, depending upon their yeah. health. They'll tell you, I'm tired. I yeah. want to sleep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just from that aspect, we, we are utterly helpless. But in the time when Jesus came, you know, Rome was uh, being ruled by corrupt, self-centered hedonists. The, the glory days of Rome were over, and people like Nero and his ilk, um, and had problems with the Senate and so on. Rome was going to implode eventually. Mm -hmm. The Jews, in their rebellion against Rome, were asking to be extinguished as a nation. Mm -hmm. So Jesus comes along just at the right time to save the Jews and to save the Romans, mm. even though they didn't know it. Yeah. They were utterly helpless. I'm sad to acknowledge that we have no real love in our hearts. Warren, you know, I seem to view every opportunity I have in terms of what I can get out of it. It's very embarrassing for me that I think that way. I'm actually appalled at it, and it reminds me of this verse. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, this being utterly helpless. Well, I think that the idea of being utterly helpless is important to remember because the Christianity has has perpetuated this idea that we need to become as good as we possibly can. And here it's saying, you know, irregardless of how good we think we can become, um, when we realize our utter helplessness, God is there. God moves in our hearts. He, he has come at that time and died for us as sinners. He's done for us what we can't do. It's, it's like yeah. a swimmer. You've used this analogy before. Someone that's swimming and is, is flailing and is drowning. And when they're utterly helpless, they need someone that can do what they can't do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what God does. Yeah. Yeah. But not worthless. No. Difference no. between helpless and worthless. Yeah. True. God sees great value in us. Mm -hmm. I see value in you. I hope you see value in me. Indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the next verse. Verse 7, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Upright people, you, you know, those are the people who always write. I'm not too motivated to die for one of them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but for a good person, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. um, you, you, you hear, every now and then you hear stories of, well, it's September 11 today, 
Yes. You know, the firefighters and mm -hmm. the medics who went into the twin trade towers. Yeah. Um, Didn't think of themselves. They went in to save others. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me that something of the image of God is retained in the worst of us. Mm -hmm. It's this uh, sense of nobility. Mm -hmm. um, read verse 8, please. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He died for sinners. So what are sinners? Sinners are angry, revengeful, deceitful, disloyal, selfish beings. And the way uh, Jesus' disciples acted in the last few hours of his life demonstrates that admirably. Mm -hmm. And the way people treated Jesus on the cross, mocked him, ridiculed him, it amazes me that the two thieves crucified with Jesus both ridiculed him. I mean, you think about hanging on a cross, you think your pain would be so awful, you wouldn't have the energy or the inclination to ridicule somebody else. It's really a sad commentary on the wickedness of the human race. Right. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if you die for a sinner, you're going to expect the very worst treatment uh, which played out in his life. Verse 9, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So it's verses like this that give the impression that Jesus is more friendly towards us than God is. Right. You know, Jesus' blood... Uh, makes us right in God's sight. And like he's saving us from God. Yes. But there's another way of looking at this. Okay. And that is that you look at the way Jesus died, what we did to him and how he responded, and you realize, hey, God's not angry with us. Mm. This is God himself dying for us without revenge, retaliation, uh, words of condemnation for us. So he's saving us from our picture of God. Yes. In which we thought he was condemning us. Yes. Wow. God is not angry and filled with wrath towards us. Mm -hmm. But you know, Warren, we've known this. When Adam and Eve sinned, God did not have burning words of condemnation and hatred towards them. He comes looking for them. Right. And he makes a robe for them. Mm -hmm. Place to their fig leaves. Mm -hmm. you know, so where did we get this idea that God's angry with us and condemns us? You've got to say the devil's a genius yeah. at misinformation mm -hmm. about God. Mm -hmm. 10, will you read 10 and 11? For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Yeah. Beautiful. See, it, it's when you get this that God isn't angry with you. Mm -hmm. There's no condemnation towards you because he knows you never chose to be in this predicament. Mm -hmm. um, you remember how he treated Adam and Eve 
uh, and various other people, even in the Old Testament, um, that you come to the conclusion that God is actually on his, your side. He's got your back covered. He's more. He's interested in saving you from yourself and from the physical environment you're in, uh, so that you can be with him for all eternity. You know, the night before I got married, it was really scary for me to mm. think that I was choosing to be with this one person for the rest of my life. Um, what if I'd overlooked something about the person? And I had, of course, because how do you know another person right. been dating for a year or two? Do you have any apprehension about living with God for eternity? When I realized, I think initially I did. Initially, yeah. I, you know, as I looked at some of those stories in the Old Testament that we've talked to, talked about, I was concerned. Uh, but now that I begin to see the God that Jesus reveals, it, it has alleviated those fears. And I realize I can trust him with my life. He's not upset with me. He's not holding against me because I got born into this through no choice of my own and and God is a fair God he even though we suffer having been born here he understands and he takes all that into consideration you're talking about a relationship now yeah you see you can't be you can't have a uh, a positive relation with a person that you're afraid of mm -hmm. or with a person you want to Reform, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You you don't marry somebody so you can fix them. You are really friends with people who you trust. There's some admiration there. There's some mystery there. Um, yeah, that's where good relationships mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And God has all the ingredients for. A fantastic relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, these big words like reconciliation and atonement, I think, are summed up in a sort of very modern um, acronym, BFF, Best Friends Forever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That really works for me instead of all these big words that right. we tend to read. So we come now to verse 12 of Romans chapter 5. And Warren, will you read that please? Sure. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So I've got to hang up with this verse, Warren. How so? So it gives the impression that everyone sinned. Um, like Adam did, and that's why we die. Mm. But I believe I have evidence to show that uh, the verse should end with, for everyone sinned in Adam. So how, how is that different? Because uh, if you just read the verse like it is, in most translations, it sounds like we die because we sin. We did something. Yes. But the intent of this uh, chapter is to show that we die because Adam sinned. Right. 
not because we sin. So we're sinners just because we got born here, not because we did something wrong. Yeah, that's why this is so huge. So right. let me give you some of the evidence sure. uh, for saying this. First of all, I have four translations, mm -hmm. which in my mind get it right, starting with the Vulgate version, which was translated by Jerome okay. in about 400 AD. He ends the verse by saying, in whom, he's talking about Adam, all have sinned. Oh. And then we had the Wycliffe Bible uh, in the 1400s, uh, which lent on the Vulgate also. Um, and it says, in which ma man, singular, all men sinned. So in Adam, yes. in the man yes. of Adam, all men sinned. Okay. And then we have the Geneva Bible, which was called the Geneva Bible because it was translated by English people who were being persecuted uh, in England mm -hmm. uh, because they were Protestants. So they translated the Bible uh, from Geneva. In 1599, it was issued. And it said this, in whom speaking of Adam, all men have sinned. So the early translators understood this. Yes. Well, Jerome got it right in the Latin. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the... You see, King James didn't like the Geneva Bible uh, because it had notes in it. And among those notes was the note that uh, kings don't have a divine right. Mm. And he did not like that at all. So that's why he had the King James Bible translated. To get rid of all those notes. Yes. And he specified that there were to be no notes mm. in what came to be known as the King James Version for that very <laughs> reason. So we have the Geneva Bible. Uh, that's 1599. Then we have a more recent Bible, the Jubilee Bible. Uh, which is a single man's translation from the original languages, but largely leaning on the Spanish translation. Oh. Which is interesting. To yeah. Me. And uh, it says this, in the one in whom all sinned. Mm. So it's also talking about Adam. So when it says that uh, everyone sinned, it's not referring to personal sin but the consequences of Adam's sin. Mm -hmm. So when Adam sinned, he brought death and sin into the world. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, we all die and we all sin. Mm -hmm. But we don't die because we sin, we die because Adam sinned. Yes. Um, and this is confirmed six times in this chapter. Okay. So we're going to look at all six times. So just one sort of to whet your appetite, mm -hmm. verse 15 okay. of Romans 5, uh, if you'll read it for us, please. Verse 15, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Thank you. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Mm -hmm. You get it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Death comes to us because Adam sinned, not yeah. because we sinned. And the many really is a reference to all, because all die, all yes. uh, are sinners. Yes. So our default position from Adam, our natural attitude, mm 
is hostility towards God, ourselves, and other people. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible situation to be in. Mm -hmm. We're actually angry with everybody. So this is where I want to use a little bit of logic. You know, babies die, uh, animals die, trees die. Yeah. Now, you might want to say a baby can sin, but you'll have a hard time convincing me that animals can sin or trees can sin. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. But we have death in the world, mm -hmm. in all living creatures, mm -hmm. including... So it's clearly not personal sin mm. that causes this death mm. on the planet. So we die what we call the first death uh, because of Adam's sin. Now there's a second death referred to, especially in the book of Revelation, and that's the death that uh, rebels die after being resurrected. That death is because of your personal choice. Okay. But not this death we die now. The trees, animals, babies, and we die. That's the consequence of Adamson. So it's a choice. consequence of Adam's choice that we had no part in. No. Everyone experiences that. It's the second death that is a result of a choice that we make. Yes. So... We'll talk about this, uh, God's fairness, in just a minute. But you know, in Adam's sin, we didn't inherit the potential to die. See, this is important because Arminians uh, believe that we are saved potentially. Mm -hmm. We're not really saved until we do something. Right. And, and Paul's arguing against that, and John Calvin got this. Mm. But... Uh, he came up with another uh, rabbit hole. Mm. Uh, pardon my arrogance. Um, we don't have the potential to die. We actually all die. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody ever got out of this life alive. Yeah, nobody escapes that. Nobody. End. And the, the, why I'm making that point is because we don't, in what Jesus did, we don't just have the potential to be saved. We mm. are actually saved. Okay. It's just as real as what happened with Adam. Oh. Um, mm. So now we're on verse 13. So verse 13 says, Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet many, there was not yet any law to break. Thank you. So people sinned before the law was given. Uh, when a Jew talks about the law being given, he's talking about Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's when the law was given. So originally, the only commandment on this planet was uh, don't eat from this one tree in the garden. Mm -hmm. That was the only law. Mm -hmm. Nothing else that we know of. Uh, when Cain kills his brother, God doesn't come to him and say, you murdered your brother, you sinned. Do you remember what he said? He came and asked him where his brother was. Yes. And then he said to him, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Mm. Okay, so this is a very uh, graphic way of saying, I'm missing your brother. Mm -hmm. what, what happened to him? Mm -hmm. But God can't use a law because there's no law against murder at this point in Earth's history. 
So this is very difficult for especially Seventh-day Adventists to understand because we have this idea of what we call the perpetuity of the law. Mm-hmm. And we imagine that in heaven there's a picture of the Ten Commandments hanging up somewhere. Right. doesn't make sense at all. Mm-hmm. Well, angels wouldn't know what it means, thou shalt not commit adultery or kill Honor or steal. Honor your father and mother yeah. wouldn't make sense to them. No, nothing. It's all contextual for yeah. slaves. Right. So the law was given at Sinai. And mm-hmm. if you follow a, a young earth's chronology, uh, which I do, uh, that was about 3,000 years after creation. Okay. So you've got this period of 3,000 years there's no uh, formal law given, mm-hmm. and, uh, but people are dying. Right. So Paul's argument is that they can't be dying because they've sinned. Mm. They must be dying because Adam sinned. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So mm-hmm. according to Galatians, um, the law was given 430 years after the promise was given to Abraham. Mm-hmm. That's important. First, God gives Abraham the promise Mm-hmm. And after that comes the law. So let's just think for a minute about the fairness of this whole situation. Adam chooses to eat from this tree, uh, and we all end up dying and being sinners. Mm-hmm. We had no choice in the matter. Right. How would you say? That fair or unfair? Say not very fair. No. No. Well, you hesitate to say unfair. True. I don't want to call God unfair, but uh, it's unfair. (laughs) It's unfair. So if we want to talk about God's justice, then this is where we should actually start. Mm -hmm. See, uh, Christians, they talk about God's justice, and what they mean is that uh, God has to condemn you because you're a sinner. But they don't talk about how come I'm a sinner. Right. They just assume I'm a sinner because I choose to be a sinner. Yeah. Well, I certainly don't. Mm-hmm. In fact, I do many things I choose not to do, which is one of the problems of being a sinner. So Paul is actually addressing God's justice here, and he's saying one man brought sin and death or death and sin into the world, and another man that God sent is going to bring life and innocence right, or righteousness. Mm. Um, and we had no choice in either one. Right. This is sort of the mega picture. And no. this is all part of the good news or the, the mystery yes. that, that Paul wants us to understand. Yeah. Now, verse 14 says this. Still... Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. So that sums up what we've been saying. Yes. Um, There were no laws to break, but people were still dying. So um, they couldn't be held accountable for sinning because sin is transgression of the law. Mm -hmm. It's one definition shallow one, but it is a definition. So um, they're dying because of Adam's sin. Now Adam, reading on in verse 14, is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. So 
you know, we don't think about this a lot, but it's still true in our day, this idea of a corporate leader. Um, for instance, an ambassador. Uh, if Canada sends an ambassador to Switzerland, mm -hmm. that person represents Canada to the Swiss. Right. Whatever that person says is saying on behalf of the people of Canada mm -hmm. and can get us into a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, so Adam was this corporate head of the planet and Jesus is the second corporate head. Mm -hmm. So Adam got us into mega trouble mm -hmm. and Jesus gets us into mega peace. Yes. What's the opposite of trouble? Yeah, well, mega glory. Yeah, glory. That's even a better word. So the corporate head determines the fate of the populace. Mm. Think uh, Mao Zedong, uh, Pol Pot, uh, Hitler, uh, or some good ones. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II kind of held... Uh, England together, you know, and what remains of the empire. Mm -hmm. And there have been good presidents in the U.S. Uh, so sometimes good, sometimes it's bad, mm -hmm. you know, with the corporate head. So uh, we now come to the end of this section. Uh, it's a very important section, this mm -hmm. verse 12 to 14, mm -hmm. where Paul makes this point that we all die because of what Adam chose we had no choice in it. And now he's going to go into um, a section in which in five different ways he tells us we all have life, eternal life, in what Jesus Christ did. So we'll do that in the next podcast. This is the most amazing part of this chapter to me. Yeah. How he repeats this so many times. Usually, you know, you preach something twice if you think people aren't <laughs> going to get it. It's such amazing news yeah. He he repeats it five times because he knows this is really hard for us to comprehend. Okay. And so we'll get there next week. We'll do that. Okay. Thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to contact us, you can at Rediscovering God on Facebook or Instagram. Or send us an email to rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com. We are encouraged to hear how this picture of God is making a difference for you. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, you can leave a review or rate the podcast so that others will become more aware of a God that is love as revealed by Jesus Christ. Thank you.